Well, we've already made one cent, so we're we have we're made basically one. <laughs> on the road to prosperity. <laughs> you split that two ways, it really starts to make you think. <laughs> Walter, this is the first um, bonus episode. Ooh. We're starting a new series. We're going to start reading through C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity and talking about it one chapter at a time. Um, so if you're listening and you'd like to read along with us, you can get yourself a copy. I'll put a link to that in the description if you'd like. Um it's also, a fantastic book. We've both read it before, mm-hmm. um, but we were both pretty young. Um, so we're reading it again to analyze it a little bit deeper and see what we can get out of it and share our thoughts with other yeah. people. And just some history about the book, at least for me, and I'm curious to see where it fell for you. But like, I read this right before uh, leaving <laughs> Mexico, pretty much. So. Mm-hmm. Um, senior year of being homeschooled in Mexico, um, my dad assigned this book um, to kind of read through and think about worldviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time I had read anything like it. Um, I had read C.S. Lewis's uh, fiction, the Narnia books and all that, and loved it. So that got me interested mm-hmm. in it, but it, this was completely different. Um, and it was the first time I'd seen somebody look look at their faith in such a logical way, which meant a lot to mm-hmm. me. I'm, uh, I don't, I'm a lot more of a thinker than a feeler. If you were to talk about like personality mm-hmm. tests and stuff, um, which I believe we may talk about in the future. Yeah. But I'm very much more active thinker than I am an active feeler. And so mm-hmm. to see somebody who talked about and thought about their faith in a clear way and then they wrote it out so nice and neatly. Mm -hmm. It was so neat um, to see that, oh, this is something that's not just about how strongly you feel about it, Mm -hmm. but also about it being thought through. It's not just uh, random or just something you just had a feeling about and went for it all Mm -hmm. in. Hopefully that's included because it's, (laughs) you know, God wants a relationship and so that's going to be your head and your heart. It's going to be all of you. Mm -hmm. But this was just such a cool example for me to start thinking about and it really like got me on a track where I started trying to be a lot more thoughtful as a person in everything that I did and I think it I were thinking Mm -hmm. you know not to exaggerate it or sound too dramatic but it you know it changed my life quite a bit Mm -hmm. um, in the way that I tried to form my opinions and in the ways that I tried to make my decisions as well, yeah. which is something we talked about. And so this really kind of got me started in that. And then mm-hmm. immediately I met you here <laughs> right after leaving Mexico and having read this. And I think that's where we start. This is, this book is where some of our first conversations kind of yeah. were centered around. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that after that, that you read it. Yeah. I mean, this book was definitely, I don't know if it was the cause, but it was, a turning point in my life for the same thing. It was oh. changed the way I was started thinking and and my idea of, of 
even what kind of person I wanted to be and definitely solidified my faith a mm. lot. Yeah. Um, that was the summer that we met. It was when I started. Um, I remember I read, I, I read a lot when I was a kid mm. and then I did not read in my teenage years very much at all. <laughs> and then that summer I picked up a book called Castaway Kid. Yeah. Which I remember you reading that. I, I burned through that. Yeah. I got hooked immediately, and then, and then, it might have been you. Then I don't remember how I learned about mere Christianity. I did not know anything about Lewis other than that he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, I did not know about any of his other books, but I definitely remember talking to you about. Yeah, I remember us it. talking about it, and so I think that's probably why I picked it up. And I remember ordering it that summer and starting it that summer, and yeah, just like it totally. It was the first serious, I guess, book yeah. that I maybe ever read. Me too. Um, like, I'd never read... I, I, I don't know that I'd ever chosen to read a nonfiction book before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, something that's not a story. Yeah, even, you know? exactly. And so it was a huge turning point. Then I got hooked on Lewis, and I've since then, you know, over the next two years after I picked up this book, I read almost every book he's ever written. The yeah. only one that I know about that I haven't read is A Grief Observed. Um, Which you should. Yeah. It's a wild time. It's weird. I've, I've wanted to, but I've also been like, I don't know, almost felt feels like I'm invading his personal life too much with yeah. that. Like I don't feel, I feel like I need to wait un, until, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Until I've gone through something as tragic as... Yeah, he went no, through. I understand that feeling. Um, it's almost have like a reverence for it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember but, feeling the same thing as I was reading it. It was like, yeah. oh, this is something very, very personal. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, a little bit very reverent trying to read mm -hmm. it and tough to get through. But Mere Christianity, I don't know if you knew this or not, it's not actually one book. It's three different books. Huh. Um, so we're actually going to be going through three books. The first one... The first book of, and people say this about mere Christianity, but this isn't the case. Um, they, people, you'll hear people talk about mere Christianity and say that it was originally um, a series of radio talks that right. Lewis gave during World War II. Yeah, that's what I had heard. That is true for the first part of mere Christianity. So uh. the first book in mere Christianity was originally the radio broadcast. The yeah. second two he wrote after the fact. Huh. So. The three books are the broadcast talks, then it's Christian behavior and beyond personality. Huh. Um, and usually they're sold as one big, you know, yeah. compilation here titled Mere Christianity, but you can buy them separately. Huh. Um, so if, if you are interested in reading through Mere Christianity, but it seems too big and overwhelming, I highly recommend you find a copy on eBay of one of those three. Mm. Um, and they each deal with a specific you know, view that Lewis wanted to, to elaborate on. Um, but we are going to do one chapter each week, um, and talk about it. And I've got my copy in my hand. So that's why you'll hear me rifling through some pages during this episode. Um, but the first chapter is titled the law of human nature. Mm. And Lewis talks about here, when he says human nature um, or the law of nature, he mentions nowadays it's it's people hear the laws of nature and they think of like gravity. Mm -hmm. um, but 
what Lewis means, he says the law of nature is the law of, of human morality yeah. or a standard of behavior. Yeah. And so he's trying to make the point that everyone has this law of law of nature, this law of human behavior in that we feel that there's a certain way that people ought to behave. Right. Um, and that people don't often follow that. Yeah. I would be interested. Is there anything, I've got a bunch of stuff underlined, but is there anything that you can think of? You, you're a cheater. You read the digital version. (laughs) I'm just modern like that. Uh huh. Which I would say, if you can't wait to get your hands on an actual version, pick yeah. up the digital version and you can read it in the next yeah. 30 seconds from wherever you're sitting, most likely. That's very true. I just, I gotta have the paper in my <laughs> hand, man. I can't handle the digital reading. <laughs> That's just me, though. Yes, whichever person you are, if you prefer paper or digital, mm-hmm. go for it. It's definitely worth the read. But uh, I really like, yeah, the distinction that he makes between this moral law that he starts talking about and and like other natural laws like mm-hmm. gravity um and it's very fascinating because what he says is it's a law but it's not followed all the time yeah like it's something that we all that as far as he can tell most people feel you know yeah some people have a dysfunction and mm-hmm. some kind of might not feel it yeah but almost everybody has something some kind of standard out there that what it looks like to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the wild thing is people don't always follow it. Yeah. So he says almost no one follows it. He's, yeah. I'll read what he says exactly. Um, yeah. Those are really his two. It seems like that's mm-hmm. the two big points he makes is number one, there is a moral law. Number two, we don't follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he says, um, None of us are really keeping the law of nature, being that moral law. If there are any exceptions among you, I apologize to them. They had much better read some other book, for nothing I am going to say concerns them. And now, turning to the ordinary human beings who are left. You know, and that's something I think everybody would say if you asked them, are you a perfect person, basically, is the question. Nobody's going to say yes. I mean, I wouldn't think. Um... And also nobody, like you could ask anybody, atheist, you know, Mm -hmm. agnostic, I don't know what the differences even are, but you could ask them, are you a perfect person? And first of all, I don't think they'll say yes, but also in saying that they're acknowledging that there is a way to be perfect. Exactly. Right. So they're automatically acknowledging that there is what Lewis calls Mm -hmm. the natural law here. Mm -hmm. There is some kind of standard there for being good, right? Yeah. Quote unquote. What does that mm -hmm. mean? And that's his whole point is in this chapter is that there is a, there is something, a standard of right behavior. Yeah. Um, And just how people are constantly proving that. Um, One example that he gives is, is by, quarreling or fighting yeah he says quarreling means trying to show that the other man is in the wrong and there would be no sense in trying to do that unless you and and he had some sort of agreement as to what right and wrong are yeah you know just as no there is no sense in saying a footballer had committed a foul unless there was some agreement about the rules of football Mm. um and this is he says the thing that separates mankind from other animals and plants and the rest of creation. Um, it's this one law he, you know, we share the other laws of nature 
like gravity and the need yeah. for to, for food and water or whatever else with everything else and that's alive in creation, yeah. but we are unique in in this this law of standard of behavior, this yeah. law of nature. Um, we don't share that, and this is the one law that we can disobey if we choose. Yeah, you know, it's this the idea that we have this this standard, this thing that we this behavior that we know we should follow yeah but we don't have to right every other you know you can't choose not to follow the law of gravity um you can't choose to not sleep without some serious negative consequences and eventually yeah. death right you know but you can choose what you, you do. can choose what you can't you, do. you can't choose what the moral law says mm-hmm. you're not defining that otherwise it wouldn't be a law right if exactly. it was up to each individual person's mm-hmm. preferences but what he says yeah you can you can choose what you do with it if you abide Mm -hmm. by it or if you're a lawbreaker Mm -hmm. as far as the natural law goes um and i think that people might be surprised when they realize that they are appealing to some higher authority than just their own personal Mm -hmm. preference i think people do that without realizing they don't realize that they are agreeing that there is some there is some ultimate good or mm-hmm. something that is um, bigger than just our individual preferences, right? And it's because it's so natural that it's just something you, you assume. Yeah. You know, everybody feels this way, so you don't even think about why. It's just like right. you just take it for granted, you know? I mean, that's like gravity. It was something everybody dealt with, mm-hmm. but until Newton came along, nobody stopped to think, well, wait a second, what exactly is happening yeah. here? It's something we're so used to mm-hmm. and it feels so normal that you don't often actually stop to acknowledge mm-hmm. what it is yeah and it you know i think there some people would claim that there's no that morality is subjective mm. you know that there's no exactly right and wrong um there's no true right and wrong and mm. it's like almost like it's a matter of opinion yeah um but lewis mentions he says whenever you find a man who does not say who does says he does not believe in a real right and wrong you will find the same man going back a moment later he may he may break his promise to you but if you try breaking one to him he will complain it's not fair before you can say jack robinson (laughs) you know yeah and it's true people you know you can claim that that morality is is an opinion you know or you can change it however you want but if that if it really is a matter of opinion, it's basically like saying it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, if it's something that you can just choose to change whenever you want, then it is meaningless. Yeah. And maybe I've heard this before, but maybe I'm just thinking of it now. But like, if you were to do an experiment and ask people who would say they don't believe in any supernatural, everything mm-hmm. is here, just by mm-hmm. natural occurrence and the only standard is how we choose to live our lives but if you were to ask that person i think they would feel strange saying that um if you were to kill somebody who has no relations they're not connected to anything so mm-hmm. it's just purely the act of killing without any other consequences i think they would still say that that's wrong um yeah along with other things like mm-hmm. it's not just because of 
the associated consequences, mm-hmm. but the actual act itself, I think almost everybody would agree that's not right. Mm-hmm. And so that's a case of, yeah, here's this uh, natural law, this moral code that everybody seems to kind of have mm-hmm. ingrained somewhere in in their consciousness is here's what right looks like and here's what wrong looks like. And, you know, it's not black and white. It's not always easy to tell 100% of the time, but there's something there that's telling us uh, there's a standard here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people have tried to argue that that morality is is subjective by talking about how different cultures throughout history and all over the world have had different, you know, mm-hmm. they are, are, have been willing to accept different things. Right. But Lewis talks about, and he explains this more in The Abolition of Man, um, but it's like the real remarkable thing is not how different they are but how similar they are yeah and i'll read um he says men have differed as regards to what people you ought to be unselfish to whether that was your own family or your fellow countrymen or everyone Mm. but they have always agreed that you ought to not put yourself first Mm. selfishness has never been admired men have differed as to whether you should have one wife or four but they have always agreed that you must not simply have any woman you liked yeah you know, and that, I mean, it's true for pretty much anything is, uh, you know, any civilization you look at, they might be different, but yeah. And, but there are some that are more similar and something yeah. that I remember him talking about, I'm assuming in the abolition of man, unless we run into it later in this book, um, on that same idea, the, the different cultures have had different moralities, but generally if you asked people, um, whether or not as a human as a human race or even as a country if you think about your own country for pretty much any country that you live in mm-hmm. um if you ask yourself have you has your morality improved or gotten worse over time mm. throughout history yeah pretty much everybody say yeah we, we're, we're we've improved you know maybe not on like the short term yeah you know 50 years or 20 right. years or even 100 years. But if, you, if we're asking about over the last 500 to 1,000 years, years yeah. do you think that humanity's morality has gotten better or worse? Everybody pretty much, I would think, would say yeah. it's gotten better. Huh. But it can't get better unless there is a perfect that we're uh, moving closer to. Right. You know, if morality is subjective and it's there's not this exact, you know, yeah. perfect right yeah we can't be getting better to be Mm -hmm. getting better we have to be moving closer to something so there is this like social standard for what is good and what is Mm -hmm. what is bad you know and that changes and that's imperfect often but i think what you're saying is the reason that social standard exists is because there is this other Mm -hmm. um something outside of society outside of our preferences that we're trying to get to and that's what we're admitting when we say that, you know, we're better off five, you know, we're better off now than we were 500 years ago. Our social morals are getting closer to the actual morals, right? Yeah. And that's the whole thing that Lewis is trying to say is that there are actual morals. There are real mm-hmm. morals. There are true morals. Yeah. And yeah. I would, this is something that I thought of that I was kind of working on and you know thinking about as i read this for the first time was well okay 
do I agree with that or not? Mm -hmm. And so I would challenge everybody, don't just take that. Well, think through, first of all, what would, what would it look like if you actually didn't believe there were morals? Mm -hmm. Um, Figure out what your life would look like, what society would look like. Mm -hmm. If that's really what you believe, and then probably you should try to live your life Mm -hmm. that way. And I think when you do that, you'll find that that's not what you believe. Mm -hmm. I hope that's... That's an issue that I I have and that I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about with the atheist community um, and they they take morality for granted almost, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, because people will ask them, Christians will ask them when they're arguing or debating, you know, well, where, if God isn't real, if God doesn't exist, why shouldn't we all just go around and do whatever's most selfish, you know, and they say, well, I don't want to, you know, they, they, and they try to come back with, is God the only reason that you don't go around killing people or something like that, Mm. you know, and it's like, well, yes, (laughs) because he gives you that sense of morality, the same reason that you know, you know, you don't, you don't believe in God, but you know that it's wrong to kill people. Yeah. is that that sense that you know that that is wrong yeah. is proof that God exists, and, and it's not. Yeah, the fact that you, that you don't believe in Him doesn't affect the idea that He still is impacting you. Right. You know, and like the moment you, your belief says that the only thing here is people. There's nothing. There's no nothing at a level above us here on Earth and our opinions. Mm-hmm. Then you should do absolutely nothing other than whatever benefits you Mm -hmm. so there's almost no reason to even discuss anything and people act like it's irrational like it like your natural state is to ground and be unselfish and and follow the moral code and it's irrational to to act selfishly but there's nothing irrational about acting selfish right that's you know there's nothing irrational about well, I should get everything that I want when I want it mm-hmm. all the time. That's the most rational thing yeah. you can come up with, you know? But it's the morality, you know that that's wrong, mm. you yeah. know? Yeah, if there, was, if there was no higher good, then that would be the best thing you could do is go around and make mm-hmm. yourself as happy as you can be. But, so my question is, and maybe a listener could help me out, why in the world does an atheist or somebody who believes that only nature is what exists and there's nothing supernatural um why do you care about share about changing other people's opinions yeah because if that were the case it seems like it doesn't matter what other people think yeah. what other people believe that's i never understood that either i there's so many people who atheists who have these shows or like podcasts or write books and maybe it's to make money mm. you know that could be a motivator but I've I've even met a guy once who he said his whole he felt like the purpose of his life was to get rid of religion Mm. and I asked him why and he said that so because he felt like religion was hurting people (laughs) and but okay for one you let's just say you know that's a good if you the idea of getting rid of something that you feel like is hurting people is good but why would that desire be in you? Why do you want to help people? Why do you want to help people? Yeah. 
and to the to people you know maybe an atheist just wants to spread his idea that atheism is true why is spreading truth good why is that yeah. worth doing <laughs> what is truth even yeah. if it's all just your opinion mm -hmm. you know One other thing that's just made me think about our second episode, um, when we talked so much about speeding, yeah. um, Lewis writes here, <laughs> if we do not believe in decent behavior, why should we be so anxious to make excuses for not having behaved decently? Mm -hmm. And it just made me think back to all the conversations I've had with people about speeding Yes, and they say, well, everybody does it. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, if you, I, I'm not saying that everybody doesn't do it i'm saying that it's wrong it's against and the, the law. fact that you're giving me the excuse that everybody does yes. it proves that you know it's wrong too yeah exactly <laughs> there's no need for an excuse if it's not wrong yeah uh anyway that basically covers that first chapter yeah i um, love that it's not complicated he puts it out there in a good yeah, way yeah that's the great thing about lewis and this book in particular is he does such a fantastic job of explaining these mm. complex ideas yeah in easy and fun to read yeah you know yeah language yeah and it is fun to read i like it is he, very fun to read what did he put in that you just that you read about oh if anybody does not it, if anybody is completing the moral law, is following it perfectly, then this go, book, go read another book. Yeah, this is no good to you. <laughs> uh, but hey, if you're listening, we highly recommend that you get this book, follow along with us, let us know what you think. If you disagree with what we've been saying, please let us know, because maybe we're wrong. Um, that's the whole point of having meaningful discussion mm. is to learn yeah. and grow closer to the truth. Mm. So send me an email. All right. That's it. That's it. Thanks for listening to Talking With Intention. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Talking With Intent. If you have any questions or comments about anything we talked about, we would love to hear from you. My email address is in the description. If you would like to listen to the show without ads, you can find it on my website, mwcollins.org, as well as some poetry, blog posts, short stories, and other things that I like to write. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, it would be cool to start hearing back from... It would be listeners. really cool. I would. That's like a milestone that I'm... That's like the next milestone, I guess, is to get an email from somebody who we don't know, yeah. who just found the podcast. <laughs> yeah.